couple of big men here squaring off Bakota and McWilliam. Well, hello all. Welcome to another uh, edition of Hockey Circles First Off the Bench. My guest today, uh, very pleased to have on former Western Leaguer and uh, Islanders legend. Um, amassed over 2,000 minutes as an Islander, all-time Islander leader in PIMS, and uh, all-around good guy, and uh, happy to be able to call him a friend now, <laughs> Mr. Mick Lakota. Welcome Hi. to the show, man. Thanks, Mac. Thanks for having me. Um, I always considered you a friend, even when we were foes. Yeah, um, as did I. We, we always yeah. got along. Um, mutual interests included you know, doing our job and trying to do it to the best of our ability. But a lot of mutual friends um, back from your Turner Cup championship days that I've we have in common, and yeah. it, it's good stuff. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, uh, hockey aside, you know, the, the camaraderie and the, the people you meet, I think, like you said, that's that's kind of what you remember and what's important from the game. So we've, yeah, we've absolutely. been fortunate to play with some great guys, Gordy Deneen, et cetera. Yeah, you know. yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Chief, Jason Simon. Chief, yeah, and uh, unfortunately, I, I, you know, yes. Chief's not here and yep. his son passed away I, suddenly I, I, and all our prayers to you, buddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very, very sad. Um, yeah. So let's uh, let's touch on your sort of hockey history and stuff. You grew up in uh, in Saskatoon. Yeah, Saskatoon. Um, no, played North Battleford originally. Yeah. Or? So Saskatoon AAA midget um, had no offers. Yeah. Like was getting prepared to try out for a junior B local team in Saskatoon, yeah. and uh, my. Good friend Trent Nash got invited to the North Balford Stars uh, training camp and mentioned to the coach that, you know, maybe they would want to take a look at me as well. Right. And so I got an invitation from the North Stars that said, Dear Bill. And they crossed out <laughs> Bill and then wrote Mike on top of it. And I was like, yeah, that's close enough. I'm happy to I'm be going. there. Yeah. yeah. And so it was a road trip for my, you know, we're 16. Yeah. Uh, my buddy and I hopped in our in a pickup and threw our hockey gear and went to North Balford and all I could think about was like playing hockey yeah right like that's all you want to do so we got there and uh and the first scrimmage uh David George was the coach he's up you know in the old barns out there they yeah. got the little gondola box and he's yeah. up there with a bullhorn and he says I don't know what you fellas uh, are intending on doing this weekend to make my hockey club but I am going to have the toughest team in the SAJHL. And he dropped the mic and we went back to our benches and I remember going, well, what is that? What's that all? Yeah. And then, What does that mean? <laughs> right? And the puck dropped and there was a fight. Whistle blew. Change. Puck dropped. There was a... The, the face-off never moved yeah. for 30 minutes. And there was one fight after another fight and for me, you know, our line went out, and I remember thinking, wow, I wonder who's going to get in a fight. <laughs> and this big uh, native Canadian, like maybe 6'3", tall string with a red jofa and no strap on his helmet, skates up next to me, and he's just staring at me. And I was like, yeah, like the puck's over, the face-off. like." And the puck dropped, and I went to get, go skate away, and he just grabbed me and pounded me oh no like i don't think i even got my gloves off like just pounded me silly yeah and then tweet change so i got back to the bench and i'm like what you know holy crap yeah and uh how and the, the fights just kept continuing like there has not been a pass made a shot on yeah. goal it's just drop the puck fight change and now i'm like uh-oh like, I gotta I'm, go back out there, and he's he's coming out again. <laughs> so I, I'm like, all right. Well, he he must have had enough of thumping me. Like, well, how much more can you do to a man? And I get out there, and he squares up with me again before, and like just staring there with this. And I was like, you know what? This is insane. This is insane. Yeah. And I didn't even wait for the puck to drop. I dropped my glove and sucker punched him, and down he went. And I was probably crying. I was so angry, right? Yeah. Just pounding on them, yeah. like they were pulling me off, and yeah. 
And then they was like, tweet, that's it, everybody to the locker rooms. And then guys started coming up to me and they're like, hey, I was amazing. I was like, what? That was horrible. Yeah. I was trying to <laughs> kill this guy. Right? Here. right? I don't <laughs> yeah. want to do this. Yeah. Um, and that's how it started. Yeah. You know, and then I think our first preseason game was against one. I think Patty Janelle coach you. Did you play for uh, Patty? In New West. He was there for a while. Yeah. So our team, our first preseason schedule was in uh, Swift Current, I believe. Or where was he? Yes. Yeah, he was, in, he was in Swift. Swift. Yeah. I think Speedy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speedy River. Speedy Creek. Yeah. Yeah. So we got there and uh, we heard how his team had been taking both nets for warm up. Yep. And our coach was like, yeah, you know, they're that not going to happen. Yeah, they're not yeah. taking our net and we're probably going to brawl to start. And so the coach, David George, says to me, he goes, this is our captain, Daryl Ipsy. Uh, you're going to play on his wing and anybody touches him, I expect you to take care of it. And I was like, oh, how hard can it be? He's a leading point scorer, little, yeah. little guy with good skills. Who's going to do anything to him? Right. And I didn't realize he led the team in penalty minutes the year before. So, right. you know, first face-off, he spears somebody, I, I jump in, I go to the box. Third or fourth shift of the game, he spears the goalie. Guy jumps in, I jump in, I go to the box. Now I'm kicked out. Second fight, I got kicked out. Yeah. So I'm in the locker room, and I look up, I hear the crowd cheering, and I'm like, oh, did they score? And I open the door, and I close the door. And I open the door, and I'm like, my captain, my coach, and two or three other teammates are in the stands fighting with the fans. And I close the door and I'm like, all I keep hearing is, you take care of the captain. Anybody touches him, it's your job. Yeah. Open the door, open the gate, skate across the ice, climb into the bench, climb over the glass, up into the stands to the guy that's fighting with my captain and just start throttling people. Yeah. So it all gets sorted out. I'm in the locker room. The RCMP are there. We're not allowed to leave till they question everybody. And finally, four hours later, we're on a bus back to North Balford. And the captain's like, come back here, you know, to the back of the bus. And I'm like, oh, boy, what? I, what now? Sorry. I mean, I tried. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, here, have a beer. And I'm 16. Yeah. And I was like, uh, sure. And I was like, that's all I got to do to get beers is like knuckle up every now and then. And uh, as I'm sitting there with him, the coach starts walking back, and he grabs my beer away, lip the captain does, and the coach goes, uh, can you do that every night? And I'm like, yeah. All right, we got number 12 or 17, what would you like? And I was like, 12. He's like, welcome to the team. And I went back up front to sit with my buddy that brought me to camp, yeah. who was still on the team at the time. Yeah. And I said, I just got asked to be on the team. And he goes, so did I. And I'm like, this is awesome. He goes, I told him no. And I'm like, what do you mean? He says, this is a circus. I'm not doing this. And I'm like, yeah, but we get to play hockey. He goes, that's not hockey. And I'm like, well, I'm staying. I'm sorry, but I'll do this. Yeah. And he said, I you're crazy. I'm not. And that that's And we're still very good friends, and we talk monthly. Yeah. And like I respected him more than I knew at the time yeah. for knowing that that wasn't he wasn't capable of that type of well, yeah. anger yeah. and you know violence yeah. and I was like you know naive enough to be like it's not violence it's hockey I'm yeah. fighting I'm doing what I'm supposed to do right yeah. Yeah. so and I think that's how a lot of us start out no? yeah. yeah well did you have that uh, you know I know you were talking about the very first fight you had there and stuff but did you have you know like in school and stuff was that sort of a natural thing for you like or, or not so much it more just came through hockey yeah no it's a horrible lesson I learned at like eight years old the kids uh, on our street in Saskatoon were playing road hockey I was an only child immigrant parents both yeah. worked seven days a week um, and a family across the street the O'Connells were like six kids and uh, I would stay with them when my parents worked they babysat me right and I wanted to play. They were playing road hockey out front of my house, our house, every day. And I, I wanted to play. And there was this kid a couple of years older than us, Chris Berger. And he wouldn't let me play. He's like, no, nah, you can't play. So I would chase the puck. Like when it went into the snow bank oh, or yeah. whatever, I yeah. would just help. Yeah. Um, and then Chris Berger went away on Christmas vacation. And the O'Connell kids let me play. And I had the best time of my life. 
Um, and then Berger came back, and he's like, "What's he doing?" And they're like, "He he's been playing. He's he's actually pretty good." Like, yeah. and he's like, "No, nah, you're not playing." And I don't know what happened that I just literally looked at him and said, "Yes, I am," knowing that he was going to kick my ass. And he looked at me and he's like, "What are you going to do?" And I hit him over the head with my hockey stick, I cut his ear. My mom ended up having to take him to the hospital. My oh, dad wow. yeah. gave me a good walloping, um, and my mom took him to the hospital. He had to get stitches and then take him home and explain to his parents what a punk I was. But guess what I got to do? Got to play. I got to play, Mac. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a horrible lesson because yeah. I realized if I wanted something, I had to fight for it. Um, and that happened as a, a freshman in high school. I got a Charlie horse in hockey, yeah, and then I was playing fo high school football, and I got a helmet on the quad in the same spot, and yeah. it calcified. Oh, okay. Like Cam Neely ended up. Having, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I couldn't bend my leg, and the only, uh, the only thing to help decalcify is rest and stim. But you you can't like there's no exercise, there's no there was no medication at that right, time. Right. You just have to stop the activity and let the calcification work itself out into right. blood again and then yeah. you know you can bend your leg so all i could do was bench i would go downstairs every night and i would bench press yeah and seated curls like so i don't know how big or how much stronger i got i just know i got huge in like two months that's yeah. i did you know you're supposed to rotate body parts or whatever i did the same routine every single night yeah listening to acdc back in black yeah. like i'm coming Eventually, and uh, I was in high in high school on crutches. That's the other thing you're not supposed to be mobile, right? Take yeah. your weight off it. And this kid came in and knocked my crutches over, and he said, "Like you're in my seat in shop class." And I was like, "We don't have seats. You sit wherever." Yeah. And so as I went to pick up my crutches, he gave me a little shove and sat down. And I turned around, hit him over the head with the crutch. And then we got dragged down to the principal's office, and we were waiting outside the principal's office, and he just kept telling me, like, I'm going to kill you after school. Like, we get... And then I was tired of waiting for him to kill me. I started pounding on him in the vice principal's office. The principal's office. Yeah. And then the legend became the myth, right? He's crazy. And all of a sudden, you're getting invited to parties, and cheerleaders are asking you, you know, do you want... Yeah. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, because I beat up this kid? And yeah, it was that simple. Yeah. And I started to enjoy my teenage years and social activity that, again, if I wanted something, I just had to fight for it. Yeah. Which, you know, as a, an adult now, I'm aware, is not, you know, the healthiest of mindsets. No, but, you, you know, you're, that's, you're living and learning how to survive. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, that's a tough, tough lesson to learn. You know, well, we talk about post you know, post-career, yeah. um, I use anxiety versus rage. Um, I don't feel a rage uh, post-hockey-wise. I, yeah. I have a lot of friends and ex-teammates that do um, experience some of the symptoms of CTE yeah. and, yeah. Uh, and, and the, uh, the responsibilities that come with that and how you try to manage it and try to... So I personally, I do a lot of... Uh, I do therapy and a lot of meditation, which I think has helped me, um, at least with the anxiety aspect, which yeah. triggers anger yeah. eventually. Yeah. Um, if you can't figure out how to solve the problem. Um, you get the frustration, then the anger, then the rage. And then yeah. you could fall back yeah. into that pattern of I fight for it yeah. if I want it. Yeah. Um, so, but I sympathize uh, with a lot of my ex-teammates and friends and, and even guys I, I've never been friendly with but know of yeah. that are, are experiencing it. And it's, it's, it's surreal because if you asked me, would I do this again? Not knowing how this ends, yeah. I would absolutely do it again. It was the best time of my life. I loved my teammates. Yeah. I loved fighting for my teammates. Uh, I loved the people I met through that experience it's not it was never about money for me yeah um, I never tested free agency uh, I never I just wanted to play for the New York Islanders yeah. like I thought that was the balls yeah 
you know, and I still feel that way. I realize it's a business, and I went to Tampa and Montreal uh, at the end of my career and was treated very well in both places um, and played back in Utah to try and, like, not necessarily get back to the NHL. I just didn't want to stop playing. Right. Yeah. Um, and I ended up breaking my pelvis in a fight in, in Utah, and that kind of changed my perception of whether I wanted to put the work in because it hurt yeah. every day, yeah. skiing. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I, I sympathize with guys that have had knee reconstructions and back surgeries and neck surgeries and shoulder surgeries and, yeah. and, and the work that it goes into just participating in a practice, yeah. let alone doing the, the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, once you get back to actually being able to play the game again, that's one thing, but all that rehab and the pain yeah. and a lot that goes with it it's you know that's that's the part that and i think i follow that now in a lot yeah. of sports so i'll see people come back and i understand you know they talk about like rob gronkowski with the new england patriots yeah. um this you know they're like he's young he's a, but he's had you know four back surgeries and yeah. broken his forearms and shoulder separations and and i imagine at some point if you can financially afford to make a, a an informed decision like my body's not going to do this much longer. Yeah. Concussions. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing it in all the sports. They're talking about it. Um, and it'll probably be 20 years before you, any of that resolves. You, you can make a, you know, a defined uh, assumption that, yes, see, this is what happened to him. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it, it's scary. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I have a son that plays uh, Division Three hockey at the University of New England. Yeah, Alex. Alex, yeah, yeah. and um, he's you know me, um, fearless, loves the game, doesn't care. Like you know, he's D three. Yeah, that's his his goal is to win, and play for his teammates, and loves the game, and practices the way he, the way you should if you love the game. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the part that I worry about, you know, where part of me is like, you know, blow that kid up. And then two minutes later, I'm like, wait, don't get hurt. Yeah. Well, it's it's, it's hard to watch, like, even just watching games on TV. It just when you see guys going into the corner straight in and the guy's coming behind them and you're thinking, don't hit him in the numbers and, you know, but you just it's hard to watch because, you is. know, you know what can happen as a result. Absolutely. Yeah. it's. Uh, and I think, you know, from our perspective, the game has changed yeah. so much yeah. in regards that guys have less regard for themselves, therefore they have less regard for you. I mean, I would never think to pull up and turn my back to the play no. in the corner. No. Right? And I wouldn't, if Scott Stevens put my face through the glass, I probably had it coming. Why yeah. would you turn your back? Yeah. You know, and that was the rule you know, back then. You just braced yourself, took the hit, you know, and that's, yeah. Yeah. I think that, that's changed yeah. a lot. You come in and button hook right at the boards. Right. And putting yourself in a position to get hurt, yeah. which is sad. And I think part of that is, yeah, you lack, you, there's no accountability. You can do that and get, you know, I can hit you from behind and yeah. so what. Yeah, you might get two, you maybe get five, but there's really not Nobody's a lot that happens. Haunt me yeah. for the next, you know. Yeah. 10 times we play you yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that is definitely the accountability aspect. And then I think the, I think the, the, the protection, you know, with visors and, and the, the, you know, like not being aware of where your stick is and, yeah. and not, you know, I play men's league once a week and I still don't wear a visor. And, and yeah, every time I go in with a corner with a kid with a visor or someone with a mask, like expect to get hit in the mouth with a stick. Yeah. It's, it's my fault if I'm not prepared to block it or keep my hands up because they have no respect for, you know, facial injury. They they don't no. get hit like that. <clears throat> no. Once you get hit a few times like that, then you realize, oh, maybe I should keep my stick down. But unless you've no. sort of gone through that, it yeah. doesn't really doesn't no. click. But no. Yeah. Well, let's uh, cover a couple of your your old teams and and some of your teammates and stuff. I know your your first year on the island here, you were, I think, living with Rod Dahlman and Todd McClellan. Yep. Is that? Uh, yeah. Well, we were in Springfield. We we were in the minors, and yeah. then the quick trivia fact that Stan Fischler actually brought this up on the air one night is uh, <clears throat> all three of us lived in a house. It was actually uh, Jeff Fenton who played in okay. the NHL. Yeah. It was yeah. his house. 
Um, he was in L.A., I think, at the time. And uh, all three of us got called up and all three that year in 87, and all three of us scored on our first shot on goal, with the exception of it was my third game. <laughs> with my first shot. Yeah, you just saved, saved it, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, Dolly scored his first shot in his first game. Todd McClellan scored his first shot in his first game. And then I scored my first shot in my third game. Very cool. Um, and we're all living in that house. And uh, yeah, three Western boys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Todd McClellan uh, was friends with Ken Baumgartner, who was playing for New Haven at the time. Right. And we had this Christmas, you know, we were all 21 years old on our own for the first time yeah and uh had this big christmas spread and we invited bomber from new haven and he came with to our house oh, for cool. christmas and i never i'd never fought bomber we just oh, even in the western league no because really? we played pa yeah, twice and, yeah, yeah and it just never it never there's enough guys that right i think yeah. maybe i fought manson yeah. uh once or twice and i don't know why and i i just never had the pleasure of running into Bomber. And oh, then wow. in New Haven, it was amazing. Like, I was in Springy, he was in New Haven. Yeah. Um, we would go to New Haven, and he got called up to L.A. And then he oh, okay. came to Springy, and I got called up to the house. So gotcha. we never met. Yeah. And then in the NHL, um, I don't know, we never we never came across past, and then he came to New York. Yeah, and yeah, well, yeah, and then you guys were done yeah. that duo. And we did, they used to send us to... Uh, this Audrey Bakewell power skating right. in Edmonton, yeah. Yeah. and Bomber and I both went to it, so we knew each other. Yeah, but we never really like had that situation. Where, you know, you and I have fought yeah. because it, it's what happens, yeah. and we just never had that situation evolve. And uh, I loved playing with Bomber. He was, um, you know, Do Rod Dahlman was part of that PA championship team, yeah. and, and those guys yeah. were were special. Dolly and I. You know, when I that first training camp, we talked. Our first game was Montreal, um, first preseason game, not rookie game. Right. Um, and uh, we agreed. Like we just looked at the roster, and there was you got him, you got him, John Cordick, yeah. Stephen Fletcher, X, Y, and Z. First guy out against any of these guys is fighting. Dolly was the first one out. Cordick fought him toe to toe. Like wide open, yeah. Like no awesome. defense at all. Just Dolly was—he was a tough dude. He just yeah. pounded each other. Yeah. Um, and he went to the box. I went out next shift. Fletcher came out. I fought him. Pretty good fight. Went into the box and sat next to Dolly, and he was just kind of staring at the glass. Um, the game was going on. You know, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, heads up, oh!" Hey. And he's not saying anything. And I looked over, and I'm like, "Dolly." And he looked at me, and I noticed he's bleeding uh, out of his inner ear. Right. Uh, coming out. And I just started banging on the glass for the linesman. And, uh, you know, they took him off. I don't know what, I didn't know what it was. It turned out he was cut uh, inside the ear and was bleeding. Yeah. But, you know, this is a testament to Bob Nystrom, who was coaching uh, at the time, an assistant coach. He left with Rod Dahlman, went to the hospital right. with Rod Dahlman, yeah. brought Rod Dahlman to his house that night, sat up with him on his couch to make sure Dolly was okay, yeah. you know, didn't have any concussion symptoms as far as drowsiness and, yeah. and going into, you know, a deep a deep sleep, yeah. which would be could be detrimental. Yeah. Um, and Bobby Nystrom knew Rod Dahlman as number 72, yeah. right, on 78... <clears throat> out of 78 kids or whatever. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, you can't fake integrity. No. No, and, very well said. And that man is one of the most uh, caring, sincere, thoughtful people that I've ever come across in yeah. my career. Uh, pretty amazing guy. Well, I was really fortunate. Bobby sat down yesterday and, and, and did the uh, interview. And, I mean, that's one of the things from this is my third year here. And, I mean, I got a handful of games the one year, right? But it, from guys that played one game to guys like myself that got a couple, the way that guys like Bobby Nye and, and Trotz and Clark, you know, the way they treat everybody, like you said, it's just the whole organization you know and i think that stemmed from you know al arbor and, and yeah that. but just the integrity and the way that they treat guys you know that's not surprising at all that that's exactly what he would do in a situation like that whereas you know we've 
played for guys or, or with guys that you know they wouldn't even pay for your cab fare home from the hospital right, right? you're you're on your own so yeah you got yourself in that situation yeah. get yourself that's no, part of your job right that's and right you deal with it yeah but, uh, yeah yeah no and i i think that's the nice part of this you know i get to see you every year and yeah. we get to see other guys that we we look forward to to reconnecting and and catching up with yeah um and i remember for the longest time that that's absolutely how it not was here um I know Benny Hogue was trying to do a lot of stuff with the alumni, um, and they, you know, asked him to take over and and you know get every and they just wouldn't financially support right. what that required. Um, and this ownership group has made us feel, yeah, you know, from accommodations to uh, experiences, whether we're going for brunch today or you know a tour of Belmont and go and like wanting us to be a part yeah. of this exciting. Uh, part of their history, yeah. you know, this new their home on Long Island, which, you know, I've been to games at uh, in, at the Barclays, and I obviously I'm off, awesomely, partial to the Coliseum. Yeah, I mean, I you know from tra- training camp, you 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 know training camp next door. Yeah, staying in the Marriott, walking across the street, knowing that yeah. you're gonna get your you know <laughs> you're gonna have your hands full today. Yeah. You're going to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, and all the areas around there that, you know, I lived there for 10 years, um, you know, knowing that I had to get my coffee, uh, you know, in Huntington, and then I could stop in Westbury and get another one because that's how traffic was going to be. And, yeah. you know, you just learn to deal with it. And game days, you know, what time you had to leave and, and, and just the whole experience of living on Long Island and playing for the Islanders. Yeah. And then along with, you know, I talked to John Tonelli last night for right. forever. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, like, I, like everybody else, remembers the goal, Lauren Henning to John Tonelli to Bobby Nye in overtime. Yeah. And we were talking about Lauren Henning, who was an assistant coach and then was a head coach for uh, the shortened season, the 40-game season. Right. And I remember Lauren coming up to me and, and you know, it was always, are you in, are you out? You, you, you. That trainer would tell you, or the, yeah, it would be on yeah. the board, right? You yeah. you didn't know until Come after the after morning warm up and, yeah. Yeah. and and Lauren came up to me and he's like, "Listen, you need to understand something." And I'm like, "He's like, you're playing every game. You're my fourth line right winger. Unless you're hurt, you play every game for me." Wow. And I'd never had a coach tell me that. No, I, that's especially in that role that's, right? that's very unusual because it's almost like, <clears throat> like you feel like it's like getting that big contract yeah. right? well no I don't have to do it Yeah. but I wanted to do it and I continued to you know do my job and it was like with Al Arbor it was the same thing I screwed up one night and slept in a little bit for practice mm-hmm. um, came in hot in a hot mess uh, usually I was one of the first guys there so guys were walking out onto the ice as I was like sprinting and then I threw my stuff on and Al walked through the locker room to go to, to the trainer and he goes, uh, is he all right? And uh trainer said, well, he did get a flu shot the other night. And Al goes, interesting. Trainers are the best. Yeah. He goes, <laughs> interesting. And does that flu shot make you smell like a keg of beer? And the trainer was like, no. I didn't dare look up at Al. So I just kept staring, at, like getting dressed this way. And he walked by me and he said, get on that ice before me or don't come at all. And I didn't even tie my laces up. Yeah. I was on the ice. And so now you feel the scope of like scorn by someone you don't want to make mad. No. Right. And so I'm like, okay, just blend in. <laughs> right? It's blend in. First drill, horseshoe drill. How hard is it? You make a pass, you skate, you know, halfway up the ice, you curl, you receive a pass, you skate down the wall, and take a shot on goal and get in line. And everybody's, now you blend it in and everybody moves on. Yeah. So I did the first part. I got this pass on my back end, settled it down, skated the length of the ice, went to shoot it. And just as I was about to shoot it, it rolled up and I kind of panicked. So I leaned on it. And I hit Glenn Healy right between the eyes. So he wore that stupid Cooper helmet with the cage. Two screws right into his forehead. (laughs) Bleeding everywhere. 
calling me the dumbest yeah. everything. What like, you, doing, Ricky. Right? I'm standing <laughs> in line. I'm like, dude, st- stop making such a big deal. It's not a bit. He goes, are you out of your mind? You just hit me in the face from 20 feet away. I was like, you got, you know, you have a mask on, right? You have a mask. You're a goalie. Yeah. Stop. So needless to say, heels went off. He had to get stitches. Practice now. You got one goalie. Everything you do is being scrutinized. I yeah. don't think I did anything right. The whole practice. And then you don't dare at the end of practice go off. So I'm trying to bag myself. And then Lauren Henning comes over. He goes, yeah, it's, it's going to be a little tougher than that. <laughs> so they bag skated me. for think, thir- Like guys are leaving and they're waving. They're yeah. banging on the glass. I mean, 30, 35 minutes of just nonstop yeah. skating. And then as I was uh, headed in, the trainer met me at the door and said, Al wants to talk to you. And I'm like, I'm screwed. I think the farm team was in Springfield. I don't remember, but I was like, oh, I'm done. I can't believe I'm going to have to tell my dad. Right. You know, right. I got demoted yeah. for being an idiot. Um, and I went in and Al sat down. He had glasses and he took his glasses off and he looked at me and he said, You ever do that again? They won't be able to find you where you play. Yeah. And I'm like, Okay. I said, Get out. I think I fought six out of the next seven games. Like, just was so guilt-ridden. Yeah. But appreciative to him. Because he really, he wanted me to be a better person. Yeah. You're a better teammate than this. You're a better friend. You're a better person. And that's the things, the experiences that we talk about that you learn from. Like, when you play for character people, it really is a bigger experience than just playing the game yeah you know and, and what we do so yeah. yeah he that was one of my one of my life-changing moments yeah no doubt no doubt well i mean and just the way you you've always approached the game um one of my favorite stories that because uh, you and i are good buddies with joe lazito yep and uh one of the things that joey's always said is that he he loved that you never changed your game coming out of junior when when you turned pro, and I think there was a story about when you were at Capitals camp, your first first uh, exhibition game or whatever, when you were patrolling the red line and uh, you had a little conversation after that with the GM because there was a fight and then I think you went and took a shot on their goalie. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Had- so that was Washington. Well, it, first it started in the summer real quick with Joe Kosher. Um, he was a bouncer at this nightclub in Saskatoon when he yeah. was before he turned pro, and then I got a job at the same nightclub doing the same job um, while he was in the show, and then he was in there one night and I, you know, bugging him like, so I'm I'm getting invited to Washington County. He's like, you you got drafted? I'm like, no. He's like, oh, you signed with him? And I'm like, no, I, I'm getting a free agent tryout. And he's like. Yeah, okay, well, basically, you're number 72 out of 72 people. I was like, yeah. And he's like, so they don't know who you are. They have no idea. I'm like, right. So if you want them to know you, you're going to have to do some, you know, like Dwight Schofield. You're going to have to go fight Dwight Schofield. And I'm like, is he tough? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right. He goes, you're going to get killed. I'm like, Okay. He goes, so then you got to go back. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, you probably get killed again, but you got to keep going back till they go, who is this idiot? And then they'll know your name. So I, I go all the way to Capitals camp. The rookies have a bus going back to the hotel. The veterans are coming in after we leave. I'm like, I got to see what this Dwight Schofield guy is, right? So I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Kevin Hatcher walks by, Scott Stevens walks by, Bobby Carpenter walks by. I'm like in awe of all these guys, yeah. right? NHL legends. And I'm like, where's this Schofield guy? Some dude pulls in with a Monte Carlo 454 SS, T-tops out, sideways, screeching, slamming, pulls right up in front. Like everybody else is parked in the parking lot. He pulls yeah. right in front. And I'm looking at the plates, it says Sconan. <laughs> I'm like, Sconan. This guy gets out of his car, He's wearing a pair of shorts, flip-flops, no shirt. And I mean, he looks like a G.I. Joe doll. No neck. <laughs> I'm like, no. Nah. I walked away. I'm like, that can't be. And I'm listening. You got a brother? Or... Like, the trainer's like, Scozy. I'm like, no, don't say that. So 
he goes in. I now I know what he looks like, right? And I'm standing outside. I'm trying to get a cab, and and Rod Langway walks by, and he's like, "Wait, what are you waiting for, kid? Why are you still here?" I was like, "Oh, I was just doing extra stuff." He's like, "You need to ride back to the hotel." I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "Come on." So I hop in his 911 Porsche. He takes me to his bar. He's got a bar called Langway's. Oh, okay. Hooks me up with cocktails, dinner. I get a ride back to the hotel, and the next day I go. I got to fight this guy Dwight Schofield. So I get out in the second or third scrimmage I get into it I, he, he's like get lost I'm like oh I'm gonna run your goalie yeah. and he's like okay drop him gets the better of me for sure um, I go back next shift try to fight him nothing no I, I told you already like that's it you had your one shot yeah. so I'm like whatever I can't do anything I get into the preseason game against the Devils and you know our rule in the Western League like yeah. if you go over the red line uh, be ready. Um, so Glenn Anderson's younger brother or whatever played for the Utica team. He came over and took a puck from like inside, like almost by our blue line and then went over to his side of the ice. Yeah, no. I'm like looking around. <laughs> I'm like, hey, hey right? So I just grabbed the puck. I went into through their line and I took a shot on their goal, which, you know, obviously led to a Did you score? No, I hit him high too. It was a high. I don't think that was another <laughs> high, high heater. High heater. <laughs> and so we have our brawl, and and you know we're in the locker room, and Brian Murray comes yeah. in. Everybody's like points at me, and he's like, "Who are you?" And I'm like, "Nick Fakoda." <laughs> like I got, he goes, "So what happened?" And I was like, "The guy came and took our puck," and he goes, "Yeah." And so I took a shot on their goal. Are you from the Western League? I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Fakoda." Like, what is wrong with you? I go, the guy took our puck. I went and took a shot on goal. Oh, that's how we do things. Pretty simple. He goes, you guys are crazy. And he walked out. But I remember thinking to myself, Joe Kosher told me, they know who I am now. Yeah. And uh, I went back to G. I went to, I got sent to Binghamton. I fought in the minors. Like, I played three games for, for Binghamton. And I got beat up every night. Andy Restyle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, beat me like I was... I didn't belong to be here on this planet. Like, I broke my nose. Both eyes were swollen. I got sent back to junior. Larry Plo was the coach. And he's like, listen, I love your spirit, kid, but you got you to gotta figure this out. You're going to get hurt. Yeah. Um, and I went back to junior, and the guys in the junior were like, Jesus, what happened to you? I was like, Andy Restyle. <laughs> That's what he, this is what happened to me. Yeah. Um, I fought him twice, and I didn't, I don't think I landed a punch in either fight. It was just brutal. Oh, um, he's a big dude, too. Hey, he's like angry. Yeah. Like, <laughs> something so angry. Yeah. The, Why so angry? Right? Why so angry? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I went back to junior, and I had a good year. And at the end of the year, our uh, general manager and coach at the time was Bob Strum. Yep. He was my agent. Um, I had no agent. And he did a contract and chart. I said, what do I owe you? He's like, maybe, you know, throw me 500 bucks. I can take my wife out to dinner and buy her a nice dress. Yeah. She's been so patient while I, you know, do all this stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> and we, I said, I want to go play for the Caps. He's like, they're not offering you a contract. He said, Philadelphia and the Islanders have contracts for you. Pretty similar, you know, two-way deals. And I looked at Philly's roster and they had Dave Brown. Yeah. Terry Karkner. Daryl Stanley. Daryl Stanley, yeah. Yeah. yeah um. I don't think they had Carter, Daryl Stanley, and then they had Craig Berube, and they drafted Tony Horchuk, yeah. who my player was. So I was yeah. like, Dude, I'm, I'm like, that, that's plenty. Uh, the Islanders had Brian Curran and Dale Henry, as far as like guys that fought. Yeah, um, I was like, I'll go there. As far as the depth chart, and then Smart they, they traded Brian Curran, and then Dale Henry and I became best friends and played together uh, for a few years. Um, and yeah, I think that was the advantage. Like that's what got me in the door was yeah. going to a. I mean, there were a lot of tough guys in the pro. In the there was Kerry Clark. Uh, yeah, Ron well, they Dolan. drafted a lot of guys. They did. Know, Dale Dolan, Kushner. Yeah, King Kushner, and then uh, well, eventually Dino. Ewan. Yeah, yeah, so Dino Ewan. Guys coming Dean Chenault was a high. We had yeah. Duncan McPherson at yeah. that time. Like all those guys could yeah. fight. Yeah. That was that team I was on in Springfield. Yeah. that had the big brawl against Fredericton. Yeah. with Jocks Maylot yeah. and uh, Scott Shaughnessy. Yeah. Um, but that was one of the toughest teams I've ever been on. You always had tough teams in New Westminster and Junior. Well, we were chatting about that last night too, about coming in because I know a lot of guys. You know, I had the 
good fortune of playing there. And yeah. I, I know it was an intimidating building to, to come into for most guys. I never really assumed that it made any difference to you, but you were saying it, it you were aware where you were going. On Absolutely, yeah. And you always had, like, just thick, heavy guys that yeah. were, you know, there was no screwing around between uh, Todd and, and Todd Ewan and, and yeah. Bruby and, and uh, McPherson. Yeah, Bomber. Oh, Darwin my God. first. Darwin, yeah. yeah. Like, and then, you know, at the well, end. We had, we had Gator. Oh, you know, my God, Gates. Gator, my first fight with Gates, I was like, this kid's 16, 17. Yeah. I think I was, I might have been an overage or at least 19. Yeah. And I was, I remember like, this kid's firing him. Yeah, uh, and that was his, he hadn't, I don't think he'd fought anybody up to that point. That was his first fight, and we were all kind of like, wow. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean. I think it was in Spokane, too. Yeah. I, I, I've seen it on video. It's yeah. one of those YouTube, YouTubeable ones, yeah. and I remember like, oh, and he's throwing lefts. He threw whatever. Yeah, yeah it just, I was like, yeah. I, I should be smoking him right <laughs> now, and it's not working. Yeah. No. Yeah, I know Gator was, uh, like I said, he was, you know, up to that point, I think he was, you know, just sort of a quiet kid and was just sort of trying to fit in. And I don't think he'd, he'd fought anybody that I can remember up to that right. point. And it was kind of like when he dropped the gloves with you, we're thinking, okay, this, this is not a good way to start. But, but he didn't, you know, he didn't seem to care. No, he, right. No. He was pretty, pretty, uh, he was pretty open about like hey whatever you want i yeah. can do with this yeah and i was like uh-oh yeah yeah those guys are scary yeah that was my first fight in the western hockey league was uh i it was in Kelowna, and we went to logan lake to play the kamloops blazers in preseason yeah and uh my first fight was with rudy postcheck and i got the better of rudy and it was towards the end of the game yeah. um and so i was in the locker room and the captain, Mark Fiorotti, came in and he was like, dude, you just beat up the tough, toughest guy in the Western Hockey League. I was like, what? That was easy. And then I realized I just engaged myself to fight one of the toughest guys in the Western Hockey League every, every time we time play. And play. we played Kamloops 16 times a year. Yeah. And I pretty much had to fight Rudy. Uh, maybe not 16, but at least a dozen yeah. or so. Yeah. That was my designation that first year. Yeah. No, I... Uh, Logan Lake, I had, I can't remember if it was that same year, but I was with Kamloops when we played Kelowna in exhibition in Logan Lake, and we had, uh, I know you fought Rudy in that game, I don't know whether it was the same year, but we had a five-on-five brawl, and I fought Randy Cameron. Oh, yeah, who's huge. And, yeah. And, and he was our overage. Yeah, and I was, I think, 16 at the time or whatever, and it was a five-on-five. Five. Well, he fell on me and dislocated my shoulder oh. partway through the fight, right? And so I got to experience a lovely uh, diagnostic and treatment center in Logan Lake where they're trying to pull my arm back in. And it just popped ripped. back in. Oh, no, oh. three hours. They, they, re oh, they tried God. it there, and then they took me to Kamloops. And those are back in the days where they'd have you lie down, and the doctor put his foot on your ribcage and on your neck while the nurses or whatever were holding your legs and would just yank on your arm trying to get it to come out and back in. So, yeah, no, I don't have good memories of that either. No, I And we, we hit a cow on the way back <laughs> I here. heard this. That was the yeah. same year. Okay. I remember hearing it. Yeah, because we were coming that. over the crest of the hill, coming, I don't know how far outside of Logan Lake, and all of a sudden, the bus just stopped for yeah. like a split second and then kept going, and I kind of, oh, what was that? And I look, and I see this huge cow <laughs> spiraling down well, the road. I remember seeing right? your bus at the rink, and we were like, holy, yeah, look well, at that. We, we I, They eventually got it there, but we had to get off, and we had to hitchhike into town. People were picking us up in their pickups, because the whole steering column and everything was oh like, luckily God. the driver was okay. But I remember it's like, seeing that bus. This is not a good start, right? No. And then we went there and had the brawl, and you know, it's like... Yeah. And that was sort of my that was my first foray into into the Western League too. And it's, and you were saying, you know, I said last night that fight with Rudy. Do you ever wish you'd lost that fight? You know, just and you kind of surprised me. You said, yeah, because now, like you said, once you, you once you do well, now you're set in that role. Everybody, yeah, yeah, everybody knows, and everybody's yeah. talking about it. Yeah, and I remember you remember that yeah. I think was it Victoria. Brought in, uh, remember the kid Tyler Sunday? For the, from uh, Ontario Ontario League, yeah. right? Golden yeah. Gloves boxer. Yeah. And it's funny how everything works. Um, so I fought him and did well against him. Yeah. And then the next time I played against you guys, it's the only time Craig Bruby's ever like talked to me when we played in, in junior. Yeah. And he's like, how was that Sunday kid? And I said, he's not that, he's not that, I don't know, Golden Gloves, whatever. He's, yeah. 
wasn't that big of a problem. Yeah. And he's like, good job. Yeah. No, I remember, um, you know, similar way, just the conversations when I, I got uh, traded at the deadline there to Medicine Hat the yeah. one year, and I bumped yeah. into you in the lobby, and you said, oh, here, here you go, going out east, you know, this guy, this guy, this guy, right? Like, everybody knew who everybody was. There wasn't any any yeah. surprises. And, no. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think my marching orders from you were, uh, you know, represent the, the Western Division <laughs> against know. the Eastern Division. So, I know. Yeah, no, it's it was, funny uh, the way we, we still we looked after each other. Yeah, I mean, you, you respected each other. That yeah, way, so yeah, and well, and, and having any type of interaction like that, I mean, a lot of times it, you, it, you'd never get it during the game. So I mean, if you actually right. bumped into somebody and especially somebody you respected, I always yeah. you know respected you as a player and um, just to have have uh housekeeping at your at your hotel <laughs> in the middle of the interview right. um yeah just to have that interaction or whatever it, it was kind of cool for right? sure you know you just so um favorite favorite personal hockey moment i'm i'm assuming that i know what it is but uh well no it's 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 that so it it's actually not a moment on the ice. It's a moment in the locker room. Um, oh, okay. We were in Pittsburgh, Game 7. Yeah. Um, Pierre Turgeon was hurt uh, in the clinching game in this playoff series previous with uh, the Capitals where Dale Hunter hit him from behind right. after he scored the goal. Right. Um, and we would have been underdogs regard with Turge, uh healthy, but without him... It was just everybody was a sweep. Pitt was going for their three-peat. Um, Stanley Cup champions, third in year. They pow- Yager, Mario, Kevin Stevens, Samuelson, you know, Barrasso, they, they, Francis, like, yeah. they, they, yeah. you know, Scotty Bowman. It was, you know, these aisles are fun to watch, but they're going to get swept. And little, and it's, it's one of the other things Al did. Like, I maybe had a couple shifts a game, but he always put me in the lineup. Yeah, and you know, years later, I, you know, he was like, y- "You, we needed you in the room." Yeah. Um, game seven, we were up three to one, with five minutes to go. They got a power play, three two. I don't think they pulled the goalie. They tied it three three before regulation. Right. I mean, we're in Pittsburgh. The place is fucking going crazy. Yeah. We go in the locker room. Guys are kicking. You know, kicking stuff and, you know, we lost it, basically. Yeah. You know, we just, had mm-hmm. we had it and we're letting it slip. And then, you know, I just stood up. Um, I stood up and I looked around and I go, hold on a second. Before this series started, if someone came in and said, listen, we're going to let you go to seven games and let this game be decided on one goal in overtime, we'd have been effing ecstatic. We just yeah, we'll take those off. We'll take a yeah. shot at it. Yeah. So here we are. And little by little, like you could feel, like Steve Thomas looked at me, he's like, and I'm like, yeah, let's take that shot. Yeah. And David Bullock scored that overtime goal. And I remember <clears throat> walking to the locker room and Al Arbor grabbing me, pulling me aside, and just patting me on the head. Because I guess the coaches could hear. Sure. Yeah. Conversation. Yeah. Coaches' rooms are usually yeah. just a yeah. another part of it. Yeah. And I think for me, the belief that my teammates, you know, let me say something, and that we all connected at, at the same yeah. time, like this. I, obviously, I I had one shift in that game. Yeah. And I went to run Grant Jennings on, on a dump in. Yeah. And it was an icing call, and so instead of hitting him, and taking a chance on getting a charging penalty or you know, roughing penalty. I turned away so I, as the whistle went, and I skated it, and I shattered my big toe. Oh. <laughs> and it was in my skin. And, like, to this day, the guys were like, imagine if you had, like, four or five shifts, you'd probably be in a wheelchair. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you have one shift in your, like, sh- shattering feet. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Go that, big or go home. Honestly, that was yeah. probably my, that, because, like, the hat trick and that goal, that game. Yeah. Ma- took us to a whole new level you know like that was and it was so like Glenn Healy he stood on his head like he played amazing Uh, 
and and it's that, it's that stuff like yeah. that you always remember. No, that's uh, that that's tough to top. I mean, when, what did you, you know, think it was? I was thinking the hat trick. Yeah, Na- yeah so, natural hat trick too. Yeah, so that's surreal because it doesn't. I mean, not only does it not seem real. Yeah. It. I mean. Oh, it's in the record book. I, I, finished it's with, real. I finished with four yeah. on the ear, right? Yeah. So that that's like October something. I had yeah. three, and I remember thinking, "Wow, like when you finish with seventy, yeah." Wendell Clark, <laughs> Rick Tockett numbers. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. if I get 25, 30 goals in yeah. two hundred minutes, like that's a big payday. Yeah. And then around Christmas time, I'm like, you know, you get twenty goals. And then January, I'm like, you know, what? ten goals is ten goals. You know, ten goals is ten goals. Yeah. You know, and then I scored my fourth goal, I think, on Peter Ng, a slap shot from like. The red line went between his legs, and I was like, did, did you put it there? Or? On net, right? <laughs> I put it on net. That's yeah. what, that was the goal, yeah. to get it on net and kick a rebound out somewhere so we could go get it. Yeah. They, they don't ask how. They ask uh, how many, right? Yeah. Well, it was My first goal was on yeah. Steve Weeks in Hartford. It was like almost, and he got pulled. <laughs> so, you know, whenever they pull, it's like they don't, they, they, you, know, they, you suck. Yeah. And he sucks worse right now, so. Yeah. No, that's uh, well. I mean, to get it to get a hat trick is. I think I had one in the minors, and you know, and that, that's memorable. But to have, for sure, you know, to have have three, and especially the type of role you're playing, like the guys must have just lost it. Yeah, yeah, and they gave me the puck after the game, and yeah. it wasn't no longer round. And you didn't even get player of the game. I didn't. Did Pat, Lafontaine Pat Lafontaine did. Lafontaine. He got the game winner and the empty netter. But, you yeah. know, the nice thing about that story, I was telling you about Brian Murray in that yeah. moment in, yeah. in, the, in Capitals Camp. Yeah. He was waiting for where our bus is, that exit. And when I walked out, he called me over and just shook my hand. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I, like, looked at him and he was like, great job tonight, kid. Yeah. No, I was like, to think about, you know, all, like, who, what's your name? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. that yeah. moment yeah. to, like, nice job. Yeah. Um pretty special and Al, Al was standing out there too when it happened and Al said you know I heard what you said to the reporters like that'll never happen again don't think like that yeah it could happen again yeah no you know? that's and that's the type of guy I think that he was he, he instilled confidence he was a, a no-nonsense guy but he always tried to build his players up yeah for sure yeah yeah and you know I heard all the stories like uh, from when the years when they were winning like him separating his shoulder, try, Bobby and I jumping over the boards, something happening on the ice, and I jumping in like I'm going, and Al trying to keep him back and right. dislocating his shoulder, yeah. trying to get Nye from and but the respect that all those guys had for Al, yeah, was like you knew instantly that that was a special group, like they, and he he's hard, he's a yeah. hard coach, like. Yeah. You know, but he expects that you need to be that tough. Yeah. Mentally, emotionally, you need to be able to take all of that. And and at the end of the day, he wanted you to be a good person and the best that you could be as a teammate. Yeah. And I remember thinking, you know, you always had those guys on the bench that would chirp to this, for the coach, right? Not chirp for their teammates, yeah. or, but looking over their shoulder, always oh, standing behind me now. Yeah. Hey, come on, boys, let's give it a good, you know. Yeah. I think he would throw you off the bench if he saw that. If he he knew yeah. whether you cared about your teammates or not. And that was his, you play for the guy on your left and your right, don't worry about me. I'm going to yell, I'm going to make some noise, I'm going to probably kick you in the ass. Yeah. But worry about those guys. And that that was the biggest change for me. Like I played for him and then Mike Milbury. You know, and that was like the complete opposite, which probably didn't bode well for me at the time I think it didn't bode well for a lot of guys you know and I, it, unfortunately that was a, a, a tough time for the organization as a whole I think absolutely know? that's why it's so so cool to see what you know what new ownership is doing because they're trying to bring back I think that whole uh, the whole dynasty you know not in terms of you know hopefully winning cups but just the attitude and that the whole team like everything they do for the fans everything they're doing for the alumni guys yeah like, you know it's, well and I, I was look the groundbreaking at Belmont yeah. um, I was watching the you know the videos and it's you know the fact that they invited season t- they made an experience yeah. for the season ticket holders yeah. to be a part of it 
Like I genuinely feel, and we have a, a pregame tailgate today yeah. um, that I'm looking forward to, and I'm actually, you know, I'm going to break loose and go find some people that, you know. Well, there'll be a lot of people that'll be looking for you. I'm and, sure. and I want to yeah. say hi and yeah. hang out with them, and, yeah. and hopefully not get in too much trouble. But yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I'm, you know, that wasn't a big thing when we played. The tailgating part of it, it, it didn't, it didn't exist. Yeah. I mean, granted. You, you get to the rink at 4, and then you leave at, like, 11. But it was, just wasn't the experience that it had become. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the unique situations. A lot of these arenas don't have that type of setting. Belmont is going to have that ability. And I think that, you know, it's like going to a football game. Like, you want to get there a couple hours early, get the grill going, have yeah. some pops, share some stories, get pumped up, go in. It's a nice experience. Um and I think that's the part I'm most excited for the fans, anyways, yeah. is to be able to continue that tradition because I think that's an awesome part of you know going to an Islander game is the tailgate and hanging out. And well, and that's something that you know I've never really you know growing up in Vancouver and then yeah. you know playing mostly in the minors and stuff. Other than going to you know like an NFL football game or something like that, I've never really seen that no. aspect of it. So it's you know to have that and have that that sort of big build up for the fans yeah, yeah that's and that's I like cool. I, I like that they, you know and then the visiting players going to walk across the street yeah. you know yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a healthy a healthy environment yeah. they're respectful yeah. but yeah hey you're, you're, at, you're in our place yeah. you know and that's the nice thing that the Coliseum and I don't know you know with all these new facilities you know they made them bigger um, more expansive yeah. So you know, it's not like the you, the Coliseum is the last place where it feels like you, the fans are on top of you. Yeah. Um, and I know that they're going to try to replicate as best they can with still making it a modern day facility um, in Belmont, and I think that's important because yeah. I remember when all these new arenas, like when we go to Chicago, I mean there was no place scarier than the old Chicago the old stadium. stadium yeah. Oh my god! First of all, you got to walk up these stairs as a visiting player. And it feels like you're climbing into like the ring of death, yeah. you know, like some Roman, gri- yeah. some Roman matador, or whatever. Like, like I'm going up to fight for my life. And then when the anthem starts, and that the place pipe gets organ. Pipe, yeah. the pipe organ, yeah. and it gets louder, yeah. and then the hair on your neck stands up because the place is vibrating. Yeah, you know, and then it's, I think my. My, one of my best fights was, I mean, I, I loved Al Secord or respected Al Secord yeah. as a player, and I ended up fighting him and knocking him out um, in the fight. And I got back to my hotel room, and the message, so my, my parents always had the, the phone number to the hotel we were at. I would always call and leave a message and say, if you need anything, and right. this is the number. And my message lights on, and I'm like, oh, no, and it's my dad. And I'm like, oh, no, I, you know, I hope everything's okay. And he's like, LC Cord. Sonny, how could you? LC Cord. <laughs> I was like, would you prefer it was me? Yeah. Like, I really don't have maybe, it. Maybe, you know, he's, it's LC But LC Cord, he's a warrior. <laughs> how could you? I go, Dad, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Okay, this isn't WWF. Like, yeah. I can't just pull a punch and, and you know, no. It's either him knock me out or me knock him out. That's yeah. how it goes. Yeah. Sorry. But yeah, that place was crazy. Well, and, you know, it's a good thing Chicago didn't have tough teams or anything after you know, <laughs> right. climbing, climbing up I there. Know. It's like, oh, there's a cakewalk. Yeah, right. you know? There's Grimmer. There's yeah. Proby. Yeah. The, you know, Peluso. Yeah. Like, they always, so many. Cam Russell. Yeah. yeah. yeah they always had, they yeah. always had a handful. Yeah. Well, what was, I mean, once, once you sort of were in, in the lineup, you know, as a regular, like, was there ever a time where you remember thinking, I've actually made it? I've made it. I'm now an NHL player. You know where you didn't really think you were going to get sent down. Maybe that year, like, was there ever a moment where you go, "I'm here"? Yeah, I think I think like my maybe my last contract, which was like a three year contract, or the one even the one, like it was after that hat trick year. Yeah. Um, because Al was there. Yeah. And I think he trusted me. Um, so it was the, that that far along? Yeah. Oh yeah. Because up until then, I mean, you know, you, you go into MSG and you get your clock cleaned, and next thing you know, there's someone else getting called up, and yeah. now you're a healthy scratch. And, yeah. You know, you, you it, yeah. I mean, you have s- such a small window f- for air yeah. before they 
clean it up and replace it yeah. with somebody else. And I mean, even that camp we were together, there was you, me, Barry Nykar, Jim McKenzie. Yeah. Unlike, yeah, any one of them can do it. Yeah. Well, and and two, like injuries, like sure. that's why. Well, yeah. I think the only reason I got called up was. I think you had a broken thumb, yeah, and then I think Marty McGinnis broke his ribs or something. So, all it takes is you know you get an injury, and then you know they they bring in somebody else, and they they do well. You know when you're on that sort of bubble, you you don't have that guarantee. No. Of, oh yeah, I'll just heal up, and your jobs there when you get back. Yeah, right? no, and I think that's how Jason came up too during that. Jason Simon yeah. got called up to, yeah. to fight uh, play against Calgary. It was yeah. Cruz and Sandy McCarthy there. Right. I think he fought Cruz, and then. Chief told me Sandy didn't want anything to do with him. I said, how did you know? And he goes, I could see it in his eyes. <laughs> I go, what are you talking yeah, about? Just go with that one. Yeah, like, whatever. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Oh, yeah. my God. It's hilarious. <laughs> I just remember going, oh, he is nice. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it is. It's that. It happens that quick. And you yeah. see it happen. Like, they really, you know, you really have a small window for air. Yeah. And it, it, whether it's right or wrong, if your teammates aren't comfortable, right? If your yeah. teammates don't feel safe yeah. or feel like you can help protect them, yeah. then it, unfortunately, um, someone else will have to do that job. Yeah. yeah. And I remember going through that with, with like I got picked up by waivers to Tampa and I got to Tampa. And like uh, my all time least favorite guy is Roman Hammerlick because, you know, they ask you to do a post game conditioning, whether it's 15 minute bike ride or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he would he just sat there reading the newspaper and I remember thinking to myself, like, no wonder we suck. Like guys don't have a commitment. The coach whether he's right or wrong, this is what they're telling you to do, you do it. Yeah. I never been, even though the Isles had some you know, we had some not bad teams, just not very good teams. I always felt like the guys were invested. Yeah. They were trying. We were trying. Whether we had injuries, whether we had young players, whether we had bad players. Um, I felt like we were trying. And that short amount of time in Tampa was the only time I'd ever walked around and been like, no wonder this team sucks. It's that attitude yeah. of I don't have to do what you want me to do. Like, I don't have to do this. Yeah. Um, and it, it never changed my perception of him. And yet he went on to play and have a nice career. But I'll, I'll just remember watching him and somebody else just sitting there talking while everybody else was doing the work. And yeah. going, I don't know. I don't appreciate that. Um, well, and that's why, you know, when you've, and you're fortunate enough, whether it's, you know, in junior, or whether it's your first couple of years in pro, when you're actually around guys that y you can see what it takes to win, yeah. you know, and what you have to do as a team, you, you can't have, you can't have passengers, you can't have guys that are, you know, are, are toxic in the room, right? It just yeah. doesn't work. No. No, and it, and I think it, so. Sometimes, like I use the Bobby Valentine uh, thing with with the Boston Red Sox, and it, like they brought in this horrific person to manage, like that almost circus-like, clown-like, and then you know replaced them the next year, and almost anybody would be an improvement. Right. But I think about how much those guys bonded under that environment. Well, and a it, common enemy, right? Right. Yeah. And it's very similar to what. I think the experience was with Mike here where like for Al you were trained to focus on each other um, and I think that's the the common bond um, where when you played for Mike I don't think anybody liked being there and it didn't we didn't rally around it yeah. it almost broke us up like it was such a toxic environment um, I remember him taking our <clears throat> jerseys away, practice jerseys away because of a performance uh, the night before and was going to skate us with no jerseys on and pat flatly went into the equipment room and grabbed all the jerseys and handed them to each one of us and went at it with Mike and said, no, you don't get to do that. Yeah. We earned the right to play for this logo. Well, and that's that's why Flats was a captain. Yeah. You know? that's... Yeah. And it's those things that he put his neck out and yeah. just, you know, and we all felt like we're not going to let you down. Yeah. You know, we're not trying to let you down. Yeah. But that that was the leadership. That was the stuff that I remember, you know, thinking to myself, like, that's something I want to be yeah. one day is someone that can do that and feel that way. 
and have people feel that way around you, which is pretty much, you know, the, the highlight. Yeah, yeah. Oh, one thing I, I, I saw uh, on, I think it was on our itinerary, when you're talking about, you know, what they're doing for the fans and everything, I think the first 10,000 fans tonight, they're giving replica Stanley Cup rings to oh, the yeah. first 10,000 fans. As really? A, yeah, yeah. It's that, like, like, again, the stuff that they're doing. For, no, I for, see you know, I see that they're trying. And, yeah. and it, it, it's, you know, A, you got to have a good product. Yeah. Um, which I, I believe with Coach Trotz and with Lou and what they're doing with the draft and, and how they're running that organization, so yeah. the players signing Anders. Um, I see that they're making that commitment. They're trying. Yeah. Um, and now it's just, you know, the, the NHL is so... Um, saturated with good talent yeah. that it's you know oh the parody level is, is crazy yeah. yeah i mean you can have 90 some point season and miss the playoffs yeah you know that's yeah. just that's not i think from an organization standpoint i mean they're doing everything they can to to give the the team an opportunity to succeed so yeah. and i think i think that i think they have the right nucleus you know like yeah. when jt left i know everybody was hurt now i i i think the only thing that as a fan of the the team that I didn't appreciate was that he asked to stay. You know that he, you know, said I want to play here. Yeah. And instead of using him as a commodity and getting something for him, he just ended up walking away to the highest. Which I don't blame anybody for taking the money. Yeah. I just think, you know, it, it's tough to have that much of a commodity and not get anything in return. Sure. Yeah. Um, that's just tough. Yeah. But that's the way the game goes. Yeah, it, uh, it is a business. For sure. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, my friend, thank you so much for uh, for hanging. Always. And uh, I know there's a lot of people, uh, a lot of people that are excited to hear what you have to say. You got a lot of fans across across the globe. So, um, my pleasure, man. Yeah. Anytime. No, really, uh, really appreciate it. And it's always good to catch up. Uh, ho- hopefully, we see each other more than once a year one of these times. But, yeah. Yeah, well, until next time, big thanks to my guest, Mick Vakoda, and uh, hope you come back and join us on another episode of uh, First Off the Bench. I think a very appropriate title for having you on today. So, (laughs) yeah, but uh, until we see you next time, cheers, and uh, thanks for watching. Take it easy. All right. Thanks, Macker. Ciao for now. Good stuff. Thanks, Macker.